0: Hey folks, it's Adam Summer on this week's Heartland Pod. I've got an opening statement about the difference of division. And then Rachel Parker has the week off, but I'm joined by Sean Diller and a special guest host to be revealed later. And we're going to jump into talking politics. We're going to cover ranked choice voting. We're going to talk about the Agape boarding school case a little bit. We're going to talk about whether or not there's a magic message for Dems in November regarding abortion. And we're going to check in on the 2022 midterms desk. Lots to do, so let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer. I am your host. Thank you all for joining us. We're so glad to have you with us. You can find all of our information on social media with the Heartland Pod everywhere Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff, TikTok, Instagram. And of course, you can find us online with Heartland Pod. Dot com where you can send us a message or subscribe to our shows anything like that so if somebody has sent you this podcast if this is your first time joining us we are so glad that you are here we are so glad to have you with us for this week's show and make sure to go and subscribe uh, if you haven't yet subscribed but you've been listening for a while make sure you subscribe and if you haven't rated us leave us a rating it's very helpful wherever you're listening just scroll down leave us a five-star review maybe a little uh you know, a little review, a little type something out, say some kind words. Uh, it goes a long way. Let folks know why you like the show and why they might also like it. Who knows? Maybe maybe they'll agree with you. Uh, we are going to have a good show. We have a guest host. We have Donald Looney. Those of you in the St. Louis, St. Charles area have probably heard from Donald before or met him, shook his hand maybe. Uh, he ran for school board uh, around Wentzville. And uh, He's a smart guy. He's been on this show before. A lot of fun to talk to Don and uh, looking forward to having him on here uh, and have him join us for the week. Rachel is off. She's got some uh, friend stuff to do, uh, although we do have some words for her to incorporate in the show. I don't know what they are yet. I haven't looked at them yet as I record this right now. So, Rachel, if you're listening to this, you know, I I haven't looked yet at what you sent us. So it's going to be it's going to be live. It's going to be wild. I'm sure it's going to be totally wild. If you're just joining us or if you've only ever checked out a Monday show, reminder, we've got shows for you all week long, uh, including interview shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We've got a rotating shows on Wednesday with High Country from Sean Diller and The Delta from Nicholas linky and Christina Linke. Uh, great shows that you can check out. And then on Fridays, you can join Kevin Smith for the flyover view where he's going to give you usually about 20 minutes or so of review from the week. It's just going to be a ton of stories, uh, stuff that you haven't necessarily picked up as the week's going along, the kind of stuff that's just, it's hard to get because it's not going to be on most of the, you know, regular news coverage, or, you know, maybe you heard the headline, but he's going to dig into what's going on for you, and it's going to be from that Heartland perspective, that flyover country view, so flyover views on Friday with Kevin and all of our shows between uh, makes for a nice week of Listening, you can find all of those, again, at heartlandpod.com or wherever you're getting your podcasts. All right, let's get to the opening statement. We're recording this on Sunday, September 11th, and of course, it's the 21st anniversary of that attack, and it's striking because this past year, we saw the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and it really felt like the end of you know, a little bit of an era in a certain way. And obviously there's a lot of stuff that could have gone better with that withdrawal. There's no doubt about that, uh, that there were issues there. But even so, seeing it end, seeing that occupation end is something that I know, folks, you know, I'm 37 years old. I was in high school when the attacks happened. I wrestled with the question, do I sign up, do I not sign up? And when I was turning 18 years old, it was the same month that the statue came down in Baghdad the statue of Saddam and by that point the questions had kind of started to creep in what are we what are we doing what is this for what's it about and i ultimately decided i didn't want to sign up i didn't think it was something that i could get behind and be a part of not because i didn't agree that our country had be had been attacked i did i agreed that terrorists had done something horrible to our nation but I just wasn't sure what me signing up to go over and fight was was going to do, and uh, you know, as I've aged, I've I've met plenty of folks who have, and gotten to know plenty of folks who did tours, and have huge respect for for what they did in Afghanistan and Iraq, and the and the you know, it takes a lot to make that decision when you don't have to. Nobody was drafted; everybody signed up. And it's a huge decision to make. It's a huge sacrifice to make. And what it continues to strike me every year, not just this year, but every year, is watching the way we support those people when they return. And, you know, Jason Kander's recent book uh, that deals with his PTSD diagnosis and his acknowledgement of the help that he needed really does a, a phenomenal job of laying out that particular issue, which is. You know, if you've gone to a sporting event, you've probably stood up and been part of a standing ovation for somebody who's back home from service or has, has, you know, an amazing career of service. And they lay out this incredible resume. But what we don't hear about is what are we doing to help those folks to adjust back to the life that they have to live when they become a civilian? Because it's a tough adjustment, it is all the time. We can applaud all we want. We can salute service all we want. We can have special seats at sporting events. We can add God Bless America to the national anthem and try to pretend that this show of patriotism at a baseball game or a football game with a flyover and a big flag on the field, that that somehow is taking care of the problem. But we know it's not. We know there's so much more to it than that. And that, I think, can be something that we can fix. And I think our generation, the millennial generation, knows that. And I think lots of others do too. And I think it's something that we can do better in the future. And I hope that we do. Let's get to talking politics. Talking politics. All right. We're here for Talking Politics. And I have got Sean Diller. Rachel could not be with us, like I told you in the intro although she has given us some thoughts for later to share. Uh, I haven't looked at them yet. Nobody's looked at them yet, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, In her place, we do have a third voice. We have friend of the pod and a voice that many of our listeners know in St. Charles-St. Louis region for sure. Uh, He's a very active participant. Donald Looney, the the telecom Don, as he's known on the Twitters. Uh, Don, man, thanks for joining us. Thanks for stopping by and talking politics with us.
1: Hey, the pleasure is all mine. It's an honor to be here.
0: So how was how, how your week? And uh, I ask her, you know, we always talk this. How's your week? How's it going? And, uh, you know, what you stepping on? Uh,
1: so it's been a good week. I've been a busy week. Um, you know, I do a lot of work behind the scenes with uh, the local union. And so they've had me running from pillar to post. Uh, it's that I'm time sitting, of year, right? It is that time of year. Uh, but right now i got a little uh, high-quality H2O and a, and an orange soda. So I'll be going back and forth between that. I'm kind of light tonight. I
0: have to ask what kind of orange soda, because I have opinions.
1: Uh, right now it's Sunkist. Uh, okay. Typical orange vest. Best one. Ooh, we a vest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, love vests. We had a camp out, and so the Sunkist is what's left over, so that's kind of what I've got, I got nice. going on.
0: Good weekend for a camp out. Nice weekend. Uh, man.
1: Until it rains Sunday morning.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, you got to have a little bit of rain to really test your metal out there, you know?
1: Exactly, you know the my 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 son's girlfriend, like she's a pro camper, right? And we're like, oh man, it's gonna rain Sunday morning. She's like, ah, no problem. Everybody's tent's got a uh rain fly. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what's a rain fly, first of all?
0: <laughs> but, uh, Don't worry, I got a whole box of wet gear. We're good.
1: <laughs> like you're fine. It'll be fine.
0: Sean Diller, man, how you doing? How's
2: the week uh, treating you? What's you on over there? I'm uh, doing well, doing well. Thanks for asking. And yeah, I'm trying to think of little anecdotes, but um, yeah, it was, I was watching both girls today. So it's like, my brain is just like mush. Um, Michelle works some weekends at the hospital. And on those days I'm watching our four-year-old and our eight month old and literally all day with the eight month old, I'm just walking around the house, like trying to pick up everything that she could put in her mouth and like (laughs) It's impossible. I'll do it for seven hours, and it's like, how did you get that in your mouth? <laughs> oh, yeah, Lord. that is That's true. The end of the day. Um, but um, I made a crockpot recipe too. Michelle hooked me up with a, a super easy crockpot recipe to do while she was at work, and I didn't realize, like, you know, crockpots are fantastic they're great on like the cooking, you know, you don't have to have any kind of technique during the cook part. Cause they right. just sit in there for hours. But as I've done more of these recipes, you don't have to have any technique during any of it. Like they no. all just, you dump it in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so like I had the baby on my hip and I was like cracking open a, a can of like marinara sauce, dump it in, you know, rip open a bag of polenta, dump it in, um, you know, <laughs> dump some peppers into the food processor, like, rah, rah, rah dump that in um and yeah it was fantastic yeah
0: that's outstanding that's outstanding any coffee this week or are you taking a reason oh
2: yeah costco coffee on ice there it Pretty is huge there it is
0: yeah it was a, a heavy week over here uh got to got to go out saturday night with uh with amanda and have a a date night which is rare in our world from a child care perspective it's uh awesome to get to do and so we went uh, went out to Dinner, and went to Top Golf, which is just across the state line in Kansas. So I availed myself of the wonderful laws of the state of Kansas and uh, placed some sports bets over there. Oh, uh, do they have
2: a sports book at Top Golf? Uh,
0: no, but you can use like the ones on your phone. So oh. I made I made some bets on a sports book, and uh, I'm cleaning <laughs> up, having a great day. Uh, <laughs> put some put some money down, and uh, I'm up overall, uh, responsibly, of course, responsibly uh but i'm I'm up on the day, so it's a good day. The chiefs had a had a great day patching my home through five touchdowns in three quarters so that's a that's a fun time for everybody to have and i've and I'm sipping on a logboat, critter creek Indian pale ale, so I'm enjoying some fine Missouri beer while beer while I avail myself of the laws of Kansas. so get, get on it, Missouri legislatures get that shit passed,
1: yeah, that's great. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into our topics here. True or false. All right. The true or false uh, comes to us courtesy of a couple of different elections that have happened. Uh, Everybody, of course, has heard about uh, Mary Paltola up in Alaska defeating Sarah Palin. Uh, Yay. And of course, there's some other ones as well. As a result of that, there have been some hot takes about ranked choice voting coming from the right. Uh, Interestingly enough, ranked choice voting was installed in Alaska by – I checked my notes on this. It was the Republicans who put the ranked choice voting in in Alaska.
2: Yeah, I would imagine they control everything that happens in
0: Alaska. they do. (laughs) It's a crazy thing. So they put it in, uh, and yet there have been some pretty major – uh, complaints uh, about this outcome. So uh, basically, uh, Peltola, she she didn't win. Nobody won 50% on the first round. And so it went to the ranked choice. And so she wound up having the most votes between, you know, once she went to the second line, she was the winner. And so she gets to move on in the special election. And then there'll be another election in November because this is a, a special election for an open seat. So Tom Cotton, uh, who's like, the Josh Hawley of Arkansas. Uh, if
2: you don't I fucking follow. hate it when these Harvard guys make <laughs> such dumb arguments slash like non-existent arguments, I just fucking hate it. Yeah. That,
0: Don, Don, how does that rankle for you? Because like you're a union guy, you're, you're on the line. You're talking about uh, beforehand. You listen to your podcast, you're on the line, you know, and guys, guys at work, seeing you listen to your podcast. How does it rankle you when somebody like Todd Cotton has wants to weigh in about voting?
1: Nobody cares guy. Like nobody cares what you <laughs> most times. And then there, there's another portion of guys who like, there are some people who get his opinions become facts in their mind. Right. Right. So if a guy like that says it's a scam, then everybody says it's a scam and they've done little research or even understanding of what it is. So um, for me, you know, it's like nobody, it's, it's irrelevant, but then I, I can't underestimate the weight of that opinion of somebody else who is uninformed. Right. Right.
0: It is just insane. So he says ranked choice voting is a scam to rig elections. Uh, and and somebody from the forward party actually did a really nice video that lays out it's on that on that there'll be a link to Tom Cotton's Twitter uh, that has this in there where basically it shows how ranked choice voting works and redistributes the votes for folks to see who the winner is going to be. And it turns out if you actually follow ranked choice voting, it's wildly Democratic. It's way it would more be super democratic.
2: super hard to rig. Right. <laughs> like, I don't even know who Yeah, you would have to have at least two candidates that are complicit, I would think. Uh, it would take a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing
1: about it. I think that ranked choice voting, first of all, let me start here. I was totally against it because where I live, I didn't see the benefit of it, right? Like I'm in one of the reddest of the red parts of Missouri. And so I'm thinking, wow, if your second place guy gets someone else's, you know, first place votes right in the next round, there's no way that's going to benefit, you know, people like me. But what I'm finding is that more and more of the people on the opposite side of the aisle for me are opposed to this because they're seeing how it's working out. Like it's giving way more power to all of the people. Like there are no votes that are lost because they kind of shuffle up in the mix. Right.
2: Right. Right.
1: That that guy who may have not had the money to push behind the campaign, I mean, he may be someone's second choice because, you know, maybe there wasn't as much information shared about him or people just don't know enough of the dirt or the bad that people put out, you know, in these smear campaigns and things of that nature. So that guy's kind of rising to the top as these these rounds persist. um, And they tend to not like that. Um, First of all, uh, Dr. Bobby and uh, Mr. Billy uh, really don't like it. And so anything that they dislike, I'm all for. So that's kind of how I feel on ranked choice voting.
0: Yeah, it, I was wondering about it. Uh, I'm pulling up the numbers on the Democratic primary in Missouri for the Senate seat, right? Uh, nobody won 50%. Trudy Bush Valentine won the nomination with 43.2%. Lucas had 38.4%. Uh, and then uh, Spencer Toter around 5% and uh, Carla Coffee Wright about 5% too. Yeah. And then there were several others. Uh, with with some percentages as well, so it makes you, it makes you kind of wonder. Okay, so if I'm a Trudy Bush, Val- if I went ahead and voted for Trudy Bush Valentine in that race, who was my number two? Was it Lucas, or right. was it somebody else? Right? right, like like where where would that have gone? Would we have wound up with Trudy Bush Valentine with fifty eight percent on the second round, or would well, Lucas have jumped up to fifty two percent on the second round?
2: Yeah, hmm. and the way that it works. In Alaska anyway, and I think, you know, most states that are considering it is that what would have happened isn't super difficult to know because of the way the primaries work is the top four finishers of both primaries move forward. So Trudy and Lucas would have moved forward on the Democratic side to the general election. And then on the Republican side, it would have been Eric Schmidt and then did Greitens come in second or I don't even know who came in second anymore
0: uh yeah. no uh Vicky came in
2: Vicky did uh, second, so then it yeah. would be those four so it'd be Eric Greitens Vicky Hartzler A- Eric, Eric Schmidt, Valentine. Vicky Hartzler, Trudy Bush, Valentine and Lucas. Right yeah. yeah Yeah. and like Don you you nailed it when you said so it's like how do you rig that first of all so it's like okay now we have four people two of them are super conservative you know to the two Democrats you know have their differences um it's like I don't even know how you would start to rig that general election and you're right that it puts more power in the hands of the people, flat out, it gives them more choices. So that's more power. And it really does allow, you know, less extreme candidates to gain traction. Whereas the current system where the two party primary winners move forward, you have this bloody bloody battle within the party, and whoever emerges on top, you know, no matter how they got there, they're now the nominee, if it's not a very competitive district, they might have just won the whole election, just by winning a primary. Right. Whereas, you know, now we have four people going into the general election. And they're all from the major parties. So right. it's like, no one's going to walk in and be like, Oh, well, you know, Lucas, it was the second place Democrat. So he's not really somehow as viable. It's like, no, he's there now. And so Absolutely. it would be Vicki Hartzler.
1: Yeah. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, once you get to bring it to a general election, um, depending, I mean, party affiliation kind of goes away because there are a lot of people in Missouri who swear allegiance to a party. But right. that other guy may be a second choice. That other guy or girl may be a second choice. So now it becomes a totally different game once you get to that level.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. And I so would guess
0: also- I want to insert Rachel's comment really quick and then Sean oh, okay. and then Sean give us this. So Rachel gave us some comments. So here's what she had to say about this one. Uh, nothing shows the GOP's colors more than when one of their stupid fuck candidates loses and they blame the system instead of their own incompetent bullshit. Also, the media stopped <laughs> framing this shit as a Trump test. It wasn't a test of him. It was a test of the Alaska GOP, and they fucking failed on their own stupid incompetent steam. So false, obviously. Also, hi, Don. Thanks for doing this so I can hang out with one of my closest and dearest friends on planet Earth. I'm sure you're going to kick ass. Can't wait to hear it.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Is that a man? <laughs>
0: That's Rachel. That's from Rachel.
1: Yeah, I'm saying, is that a mandate? So now I have to kick ass. With
0: yeah, absolutely. No options. So Sean, what were you tagging on there?
2: Yeah. So like, how did this happen in a Republican state? If it's a scam to rig elections, presumably for the Democrats is what Tom Cotton would be saying. Right. Um, So like the reason that you would do it, if you're a Republican in a Republican state is because it's to avoid a Todd Aiken situation. Right? right. So like, if you think about the Missouri, United States Senate race and what Republicans might do to avoid that in the future, or if Gritens had won, then, you know, the Todd Aiken year, there's going to be, in the general election, it would have been Todd Aiken, a more acceptable Republican, Claire McCaskill, and then, you know, a Democrat who probably nobody had ever heard of. Actually, so, it probably would have been Cory Bush. Or maybe Cory Bush. Okay, yeah. Was that's on a that great primary. Example. So then there would be a ton of people who would put Todd Aiken first because they're insane. And... Missouri is a really red state. And then they would list the other Republican second. And so the Republicans could have avoided losing that Senate race by giving all of their people a chance to vote for another Republican second. So then they would have had all of Todd Akin's votes, you know, plus this more acceptable person instead of just losing to Claire because so many people didn't have anyone to vote for when it was Todd Akin versus Claire McCaskill. So Uh You know, and it could happen depending on you you can't predict how it's going to unfold. Like in Alaska, you know, Palin lost because nobody put her name down, like nobody listed her like, you know, and that's how the Democrat won. is that there were so many blank second choices on the. uh,
0: Rachel makes real Rachel's comment makes me think of it that way of like, of course, Sarah Palin lost in a ranked choice voting, because if you're a Sarah Palin voter, you're a Sarah Palin
2: voter. Right? Mm-hmm. right. And if you're not voting for Sarah Palin, you're not going to go ahead and vote.
0: Like, right. Vote it's not like I'm going to vote for somebody else and then put her second. I'm not voting for her because right. she's right. an incompetent win bag. Like, I'm just not going to vote for her
1: in yeah, the first place. Anybody's second choice. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's your first choice or you pay attention. One of right. those two things is true. Like that's there's there's no two ways about it. Well, let's let's move on here to uh, let's move on to the yeah, no yeah no yeah all right this one is uh, it's kind of a combination of things so there was um, a couple of headlines that came out this week that people jumped on fast Uh, you know this is sort of the the unfortunate part of things like Twitter is that it's easy to jump on a headline and sometimes the substance gets lost. And so I saw folks sharing these headlines, uh, one from the Missouri independent. Uh, it said court order would close Agape boarding school after years of abuse allegations, which was not a terrible headline, but it's still kind of, you know, if you just read that you go, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then uh, the star, which uh, I need to sign back in to get to the article. Thank you very much. Kansas city star for making it hard to get to your product. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving that in. If there's somebody who works at the star that listens to this, uh, come on, come on. We need yeah. this stuff.
2: Yeah. Did you time out after five minutes, like a yeah. bank or something? So uh, <laughs>
0: the, the star and this day, I thought were the most egregious uh, headline that I saw. The star's Whoa. headline was Missouri AG gets court order to close Agape boarding school after years of reported abuse. Sean, I'm guessing you didn't dig into this story this week. When you see that headline, what do you think?
2: Right, yeah. It sounds like he was in a legal action seeking a court order to close the boarding school and that he was successful in getting a court order that closed the boarding school.
0: Don, you pay attention to this stuff. What actually happened?
1: <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> Jeez. To give you the short version of it, I mean... And, and I'm, I'm no legal mind. Right. But I mean, it's just a court order. Right. You're telling someone that they have to do something. But now how how compliant are they to your wishes? And then yeah. what are the stipulations of that court order? You know,
0: and that's where the real trick comes in, because not only is the headline misleading, but the court order itself. So, yes, there was an action from the attorney general's office. Now, the headline makes it seem like Eric Schmidt went down to Cedar County, Missouri and got himself a court order in court. But what happened was the attorney general's office filed something. They got an injunctive order, except it was a conditional order that said, we'll close it if this employee is there because there was an employee who was on the registry for child abusers and they can't have an employee who's on the registry at this school. So the judge gave them essentially a stay of execution and a chance to basically cure the problem and get rid of the guy. Right. Now the hearing got delayed until Monday morning. So as you're listening to this on the 12th, that hearing may have occurred, or maybe you're an um, early morning listener, so it may not have occurred yet. But it's going to happen sometime today on September 12th before we actually know the outcome. And guess what? If that employee's not there, you know what's going to happen? Anyone want to take a guess? I don't even take a guess. What's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing.
1: Exactly <laughs> right. Nothing's going to wow. happen. Yeah. So. It's- you know, I'm, I kind of mentioned on, on a on a tweet that this seemed really performative, right? There's so much pressure, the momentum's building, the story's getting national attention now. And everybody's saying, hey, our elected officials aren't doing anything, right? And so to me, this seems like a campaign, campaign ploy from Eric Schmidt to say, hey, I did something, right? I tried really, really hard to get the school closed. I even got a court order, yep. right? But what's in that court order? and and you know, when you look at the headlines, everybody's cheering and hooray and yay, it's it's finally happening. But no, nothing's happening, people. Like, let's let's dial it back a little
0: bit. I want to drop Rachel's comment in here and then kick it over to Sean. Uh, Rachel said, I expect way more of this uh, from both the KC star, whose other reporting on Agape has been the best in the state. They really led where others didn't or couldn't. And the Missouri Independent, same. Also, this shit right here and – it goes to a status from Robert Buckland, who has been one of the leaders. Uh, and it says Judge Munton is in charge of the Agape criminal case. Judge Munton is in charge of the Agape civil cases. Judge Munton is in charge of the Agape emergency hearing Monday. Uh, and for context, this person was part of the law firm that provides the defense uh, for Agape boarding school.
2: Right. The judge in Cedar County, this is all so local. And it's like, you know, if you've been to these places, I think the money that's changing hands around this school is, you know, embarrassing. Yeah. And, um, you know, these kids are in danger still. And it's just because the people in power, like this court order is a perfect illustration of how determined it seems like anybody with power is to like, keep the circle tight make sure that everyone's taken care of. Like if they do fire this one guy, like I'm sure obviously he's all any, every penny he's been paid to work at a school when he's an abuser. And this is an abusive school that has a long pattern of beating long pattern. Yeah. Like, so he's going to be taken care of even if he leaves the school and keeping the school open is the way to make sure that everybody else keeps getting taken care of, you know,
1: and this, this court order issues a, a gross assumption that this guy is the only abusive individual right. On, right. on campus, right? With all of these things going on, it's all done at the hand of this guy. And so if he's right. gone, the problem goes away. And we all know it doesn't, you know? And he's
2: acting like the outrage and like the call for right. action is rooted in this employee, you know? Right. And it's like, right. it's not.
1: <laughs> no, it's everybody and everywhere. Like right, the place is everyone. rotten.
2: Yeah, it needs to be closed. The kids need to be released you know, they're kept from seeing their parents, they're beaten, like there've been allegations of sexual abuse.
1: And, and being a political activist, I want to say this is why local elections matter, right? Yeah. We just look at the top of the ballot at the top of the ticket, we have to go down to those guys, we have to get people to fill these races and things of that nature, because this guy basically feels like he can do whatever he wants, because nobody ever runs against him. You know, the, he's, he's the judge now. So he's in his seat. And it's, probably a lifetime appointment he got there very it's easy.
0: an elected appointment it's elected position so he gets there he has to be elected every four years but you still have uh, to have competition for those
1: seats right and there's no competition because nobody pays attention to what's going on here so he just basically does what he wants like you say he's part of the defense team and guess what he gets to sit the bench and decide what's happened there because there's nobody else like this is why these things matter
0: yeah and i can tell you as somebody who practices law in in small jurisdictions, Everybody knows everybody, uh, and I mean, absolutely everybody does. And a lot of times, and a lot of times in a good way, the people who rise up to become judges are people that everybody's kind of okay with being the judge. Uh, and it's usually sort of a self vetting prof- process in that way. Uh, the legal profession is a self policing, uh, you know, organization. You know, when it comes to ethics and things like that. Which I know I know all the jokes, but trust me when I say that most lawyers take that stuff very very seriously. Um, but when you have, you know, if the entirety, you know, some people will say, "Oh, well, it's just a couple of people." Yeah, sometimes it is. But if the whole area is part of it, right? If the whole area is connected to this thing, then that stuff, you know, the accountability goes out the window. Um, you know, and where where I spend most of my time practicing, uh, we had a judge that folks were unhappy uh, with how things were going and the way the judge handled things. And that judge no longer holds office. Um, that is very common in those in those smaller areas. Um, but the, because those judges know that that's what their job is kind of tied to is like, is the local bar basically able to make their living and deal with their client's needs and deal with the, you know, the rights of their clients in their courtroom in a fair and efficient way. And if the answer is yes, then that judge is probably going to have a long career as a judge. Um, but if, you know, if the deeper you dig on this agape stuff, the connections are across the board.
2: Yeah. Right. I was blown away with that, that quote from Mike Parson when they were like, so what are you doing to keep the kids safe? And what he said was so insane to me. He basically said, "Well, you know, I was a prosecutor a million years ago. I'm doing what I've always done." He's a sheriff,
0: yeah.
2: Oh, okay, I was in law enforcement. I've, I'm doing what I've always done, acting like that's something, like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as opposed to what Don said. It is is nothing, and he was tripping over his words so much. I think he knew that he wasn't saying anything, and. Then he said something really stupid at the end, which was, he basically said, I presume the sheriff of Cedar County is on top of it. And it's like, right. how can you fucking say that? Like, right, right. Like, well, let's basically- go ahead and see if there's been complaints against that department. I'm sure there's been tons of weird shit happening there. Right. And also, we know that he hasn't been on top of it because it's been going on for years and years. Like, wouldn't you imagine that the county sheriff probably is somehow complicit or willing to ignore this abuse it sounds like he is that would be the wildest um, part is like you imagine like if like last week
0: was the first time the sheriff got a phone call and was like they're saying what about where yeah could you like, swing by the school <laughs> yeah like of course that's not what it was done final thought on this and we'll move
1: on uh so if there, i really want to see i'm excited to see how this turns out uh but you know for me it's just like the good old boy system working and doing what the good oh. old boy does
0: yeah, I think that's unfortunately true. Let's go to buy or sell here. All right. Uh, oh, got a little little bonus drop there. Uh, buy or sell. Uh, there is a magic message on abortion that the Democrats can use to win in November. Uh, so this this pops up because obviously the Kansas vote. Has become, you know, what happened in Kansas has become a shorthand phrase nationally for how Democrats will win in November, uh, right. <laughs> and yeah, uh, there, it's been all over the place. Here's a here's a headline from the St. Louis Post Dispatch from Kevin McDermott: Path to an unlikely win for Valentine starts in Kansas. Uh, so uh, here's one from the Kansas City Star: Missouri learned from Kansas moderate reasonable abortion rights are what voters want this is an op-ed uh, from john uh human and uh john i had a chance to talk with him uh, He he's part of the lake area dems i went down and talked with their group and john was part of their group he wrote this op-ed there'll be a link in the show notes to it and uh, we, we recorded some audio unfortunately it was i only had one mic and it came out i could not make it work from a publication standpoint um but john makes a very impassioned case for dispassionate language, uh, is the way that I will put it uh, for Democrats on this, uh, and I want to I want to click this off, uh, kick this off with Rachel's uh, <laughs> comment, and then kick it over to Sean to start because her comment is Rachel's very clever, well thought out, informed, clarified, intelligent response is whatever Sean Diller said.
2: <laughs> That's so nice of her because <laughs> as soon as. Uh, you started introducing the topic. I was literally champing at the bit to like start saying, "Buy it." Yes, there is a magic message. It's not what McDermott said though. The magic message is national ban. Republicans want a national ban on abortion. Right. And the reason that that's the message that will work is the is because well, the proof for the idea that that message will work is in Republicans' actions right now. They're trying to find ways to back away from a national ban on their websites. Like in these state legislatures, they're, you know, kind of quibbling over these, whether there's going to be an exception for rape and incest in these abortion bans that they're working on. And a lot of the more moderate Republicans are thinking, you know, maybe we should just, you know, not not be for such a ban. But the idea that we don't need a ban on abortion has not gained mainstream Traction, I think, in the Republican base, so and there is still a national abortion ban that's been introduced in Congress, and it does still have over a hundred supporters, so you know, Blake Masters has said, you know, down in Arizona, he said he wouldn't support a national abortion ban, right, bullshit well, now, like after, if they brought it up in the, the Senate, yeah, and it's like if they brought it up in the Senate you know all the republicans are going to face immense pressure to vote for. You're going to buck right. your party on abortion. Right. No you're not. And so like again just so McDermott got it right when right. he said they didn't voters didn't vote their
0: party on insurrection. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know he said voters want moderate regulations on abortion, which is true. That's what the polls always say. But when it comes to politics, you know, the way to use that as a cudgel is to show that the republicans are out of step with that idea they don't want moderate regulations they want a ban on abortion so don
0: how does this play in your world because you know you come at this from concerned parent voter activists uh right sean and i are coming at it from our 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 lenses of you know political consultant and lawyer where does
1: this play in your world so so on a grassroots level you know, when we do work, we find that that most Missourians vote and support a lot of progressive ideas, yeah. right? But they support more conservative candidates. And so we always struggle to get them to see that those candidates that they're pushing for don't really support their ideas or the ideas that we feel like will have the most impact on their life immediately today, right? right? So to, to think that there is a magic message that'll get through to the to the numbskulls right that these people are not really for you uh to me i, I would have to sell that because i don't know what i mean we've been beating this drum for years like these people don't have your best interests at heart they don't care about you know whether or not you can put food on your table they don't care that you can even go to the hospital and get quality health care right i mean look yeah. at what they've been doing and you know prescription drugs and all these other things right um and with abortion being like the banner that they've been flying for years, right? They've been telling you that they they want to get rid of abortion, regardless of how, what I, I should say, their their actions show you more than anything that they say out of their mouths when it comes to abortion, the rights, you know, the way right. they feel Supreme right. court, all of these things. Um, so I, I would love to see a message. <laughs> I, I would love to see a magic message that will push us to a win. And, and I would hope that abortion would be that. Um, but I'm kind of losing faith in, in, in the people with the candidates that they choose.
0: So this, uh, this op-ed from John Human, uh, uh, he has toward the end here. John says, we need to put aside our pro-choice extremist tendencies, uh, which I don't – that is some pretty heavy language. But we need to put aside our pro-choice extremist tendencies to overreach for unilateral abortion rights throughout pregnancy – that view, like the extremist anti-abortion view, is favored by only 20% of Americans, and a petition for those rights is every bit as doomed to failure as the Kansas Amendment. And he's calling for Missourians to have a petition, just like in Kansas. Uh, the moderate... In Kansas,
2: sorry, in Kansas, it was the anti-abortion crowd, the right-wing extremists, who right. put that, in that initiative Correct. on the ballot, and it was Correct. so they could do a ban.
0: Yes. Mm. And he says the moderate position of reasonably limited abortion rights would give Missouri women what they need, an opportunity to recognize their own pregnancies and to make careful, informed choices in line with their own bodily autonomy. It would also respect the logical pro-life idea that the state has legitimate interest in protecting the rights of late-term fetus as well as the rights of its mother. So I have some some qualms with this language because uh, fetuses don't have legal rights, and so – the assumption that there's a, a right to be protected um, is actually just wrong. There, there isn't a right um, there. We can talk about the morality of that issue, but that's, that's a different thing. And it's also, you know, I, I just want to point out the obvious ridiculousness of this, which is uh, this are both of these articles are by uh, dudes in Missouri. And there's three dudes here talking about these articles
2: uh you know and like
0: don't get me it's wrong oil
2: engineer are... it says at the bottom too john human of columbia worked around the world for 33 years as an oil an oil engineer <laughs> right And he's a
0: smart he's a smart guy as well thought but like i think that's a very important point on that issue which is at the end of the day i mean all three of us are dads we all have dealt with that side of things but to pretend like we should be making the decision i think is where i keep coming down on which is why I do sell that there's magic language. Um, So I I sell that part of it like Don does. But I I think what Sean is saying makes sense that just pounding, like I think Democrats, as soon as they get off of anything other than complete ban, complete ban, complete ban, complete ban, as soon as anything other than that, other than Republicans want a complete ban, the second you're off the weeds on that, you're in trouble. And the problem with that, is that when you're talking with folks who don't like abortion, they don't like any of it. Right. And so but, when you say they want a complete ban, they go, well, I don't like killing babies.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, and that's why, that's why you just drive the wedge. Like if you're the Democrat trying to run in Indiana or Missouri or something, your moderate position that you stake out on abortion, you're going to be all by yourself. First of all, whatever it is, right. um, and you're going to get murdered out there. You know, if you want to seem if you want to tell voters that you're moderate on abortion, don't come up with a scheme, a regulatory scheme that you think is the right amount of moderate. You know, it's like what makes sense to me is like let women and their doctors decide we don't need a law about this. Like, right. you know. Right. Right.
1: Because none of us, you know, to, none of us know what women go through with pregnancy you know, the mishaps and all the things that are that that come along with it. I this.
0: suspect right now are, there are many of our uh, childbearing able listeners who are screaming, <laughs> and they should be. Well,
2: at least we all have daughters. And, like, when we I do, think yeah. about, you know, my wife's delivery of our first, you know, it's like every pregnancy carries a risk of death. Okay, yeah. <laughs> folks? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah, my wife had no complications no sign of any complications and then at 34 weeks her blood pressure went through the roof and she was induced and then you know it was you know we could have lost her and like right. it wouldn't have had anything to do with the you know an abortion you know we weren't talking about an abortion like it was just because she was pregnant you know and right. that's right you know, right yeah
1: and, and as 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 a as a dad, you know, and a husband, it, pregnancy is always was always scary to me because it was the most powerless I've ever been. Like, I can't control. Completely.
0: It. Yeah, I
1: think I have no say in the matter. Right. I, I mean, I can pray all day and night, but I still can't determine the outcome. And so all I can do is to hope that everybody makes it through it. OK. Right. And unfortunately, that's not always the case, you know, and I hate to be in one of those decisions where you have to make a choice. Right. As yeah. to, you know, who comes out of the hospital or the operating room in that situation? Um, and so my my stand typically on this is, you know, whatever, whatever the women want is, is what it is that I would support. A
0: couple of radicals, uh, I guess, is what we are. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move on here to uh, to the to the midterms. Coming to you live from the Heartland Pod Studios is the 2020 midterm state of the race. Yeah. Decision Desk Check-In. Oh, all great. right. Yeah, that one's a ton of fun. Uh, Dude, I've
2: been working on my my picking, my little precision picking, and uh, it's a lot better than it's been before. I'm trying to learn Rumble and Barracuda.
0: Behind the scenes uh, for everybody at the Heartland Pod, so almost all of the music you hear, not all of it, but most of it that you hear is me uh, and I've asked Sean several times to just send me some tracks, and he will ever send me any tracks <laughs> to use. Uh, most of what you hear on uh, Nick's show is uh, another friend of ours uh, who has done a lot of music uh, as well. But uh, yeah, so it, it's good fun. It's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. You gotta do. You gotta do some drops, Sean. We I mean, ain't paying no royalties. Miss. I'll tell you that. No, yeah, that's for sure. Um, all right. So the midterms. Uh, I want to kind of pair part of. Part of the last topic. So, I had had some notes about, um, you know, can we pair the abortion issue and marriage equality together? Because we're starting to see that drum getting beat a lot harder on the right about Uh going after uh, marriage equality. And so, I'm wondering if we'll be able to pair those things together on the midterms. Uh, And so, we'll kind of keep that in the back of our minds as we jump into this. So, what we're looking at here is uh which Senate seat will be closest is kind of what I want to talk about to start with. So I'm gonna pull up predict it, uh, which is unfortunately gonna go away in February. I really like Predict It. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm a degenerate gambler as we established at the beginning of the show. So responsibly. <laughs> responsibly, only always responsibly. Um so on Predict It right now, Georgia. Is uh, 20 cents you can buy Georgia for being the closest race. So, the way predict it works, I think we talked about this some a couple weeks ago, but essentially everything is worth up to a dollar. So, the lower the number is, the less likely the outcome is. And uh, the higher the number, the more likely the outcome. So, if you buy something at 80 cents and you win, you'll make 20 cents per share that you buy. And so on and so forth. So for example, I bought in 2020, I bought for about 30 cents a share Kamala Harris to be vice president. And I bought uh, like, I don't know, 150 or 200 something shares of that. And I made 70 cents on every single one of them wow. that I, that I bought. Uh, and I bought some shoes and it was great. So um the, uh, so what predicted is telling us is, uh, Georgia, 20 cents, 17 cents on Wisconsin, 16 cents on Nevada, 11 cents in Pennsylvania, 11 cents in North Carolina, eight cents in Arizona, six cents in New Hampshire, six cents in Ohio. And then it goes uh. down from there and you get to Missouri and it's at two cents on being a close race. So if you think Trudy Bush Valentine is going to keep her tight in Missouri, for two cents a share, you could drop down, uh, you know, twenty bucks, and if you if you win, you could win ninety eight cents a share on your twenty dollars. So do yeah, some I math do that on that.
2: Eric yeah. Schmidt versus Trub- Trudy Bush Valentine will be the closest race the of the night. Everyone's going to be of the night. John, <laughs> I'm guessing
0: you're going to save your money, is what you're saying? Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. No, I, I will. No, and- I, that's a
1: chance that I might be willing to take this time around. what
2: do you think well and it 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 sets up my um you know kind of what i was going to say so like georgia being the most popular choice for it to be the closest race makes sense if you think that conditions are going to hold like you know if the election were held today i think that's the closest one and you know what kind of got me thinking is like you know, probability. What probability is crazy. Um, I didn't take a single math class after I left high school, um, and so I, I find numbers fascinating, <laughs> even though I don't <laughs> really know how they work. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, on you one, you have to
0: take a statistics class for your political science degree.
2: No, they they changed it right after I left, actually. They wow. added that requirement at Missouri. <laughs> Man, I had to take that <laughs> in Little Little Central Missouri. I had to take a statistics. Yeah, problem. there was one, right. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I skipped that. Um, but, you know, there's 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 this likelihood that Georgia's going to be the closest. But the idea that conditions are going to be the same on Election Day as they are now, that's right. like a 0% chance. Like, right. things right. are going to break one way or the other. Either the Democrats or the Republicans— are going to be having a good night and um you know so that's why i think it's probably more likely to be something like wisconsin if democrats are having a good night you know that could be the closest race or like if republicans are having a good night you know maybe it ends up being pennsylvania you know right. is the closest god that'd be um, insane yeah yeah
0: georgia on 538s predictor georgia is at 48.9 uh walker 49.4 warnock right now but they've got the forecast at a fifty-one out of a hundred chances for Walker and forty-nine out of a hundred chances for Warnock. So you're talking about it, it's a dead heat. I mean, it an very, incumbent
2: it, senator who was a pastor at Martin Luther King Jr.'s church in Atlanta, correct, and who has been an excellent senator since he's got there, is half a percentage point behind fucking Herschel Walker. Right. Right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: Right. Herschel Walker, who can't string a sentence together, uh, at all. I mean, it's it really is. Pretty crazy. Uh, Cook Political Reports um, has four right now in the toss-up category. They've got Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and Wisconsin. Uh, So Uh Arizona, Georgia, Nevada going the Democratic way in the toss-up, and Wisconsin going the Republican way Uh in the toss-up. Don, what are you – like what's interesting to you about these races right now? Like what are you paying attention to and watching? Oh.
1: So I think that that for for Democrats across the country, turnout has been an issue, you know, unless yeah. it's a, a um, presidential race. Right? right. So I think that, that's kind of what we're seeing. I think people are starting to pay attention to midterm elections. Uh, I think people are starting to pay more attention to down ballot races. And so it's really going to come out to the turnout. Like we got to got to beat the drum and get people to actually get out to the polls. You yeah. know, a lot of people may they assume, oh, well, that guy's position is so crazy. Nobody's going to vote for that guy. But in reality, everybody votes for that guy, <laughs> right? right. So we, got, we got to get people out to, to, to affect it. And I think that we've done a good job of that. I think we're going to see a lot more, uh, you know, voter registrations are up, which is why they're trying to change the rules in Missouri about how you can register voters, Right. Um, and so I think everybody's on pins and needles. Uh, those like me who are naively optimistic that now is the time for change, right? And then all of the people who are like, "Wait a minute, we can't let them change everything," so they ha- we get- we got to stop them, right? Um, so it, I think all of the toss ups that that they're predicting here from all the things we're looking at are spot on. Uh, but like I said, I I lean to the naively optimistic side that people are actually ready to get things, you know, going back on the right track.
0: What's really interesting, uh, Sean, is you know that the house still looks it still looks like Republicans are going to take the house. Easily. Like, I don't even think that that's really a conversation. But uh, Cook Political Report uh, has moved five races uh, Uh toward the Democrats. Uh, Alaska, obviously, uh, Patola just won that race. That's gone from a likely art of a toss up. Arizona's fourth has gone from a lean Democrat to likely Democrat. Maryland six has gone from a lean Democrat to a likely Democrat. The New York third was an open seat, went from a toss up to a lean Democrat. And the Virginia seventh with Abby Spanberger went from a toss up to a lean Democrat. So is that Sean, do you expect to see like, is it going to surprise you if every week that
2: list grows? You know, it's the idea that Spanberger was in a toss up makes me think that, um, you know, she's such a high quality candidate. Yes. You know, I think that kind of suggests there's a lot of inertia behind, you know, kind of Republicans maybe flipping the house. Um, what's, you know, what's really interesting in those those specific races that are moving more securely into the Democrats columns is that they're in suburban districts and in kind of purplish states and purplish areas and red states. So, I, you know, what it says to me is that it's it's reflecting the enthusiasm around abortion um you know in a midterm election where the turnout might normally be 35 percent of the registered voters you know there's a ton of women under 40 who you know didn't vote in the last midterm and they're sure as hell gonna vote in this one
0: and they're definitely voting for abby Spamberger. like right for right. sure
2: right <laughs> like that's a yeah
0: that's one in uh, the cook political report does a good job laying this stuff out uh, which is cook political report for folks who don't speak complete political dork uh is a subscription service it's like uh, for people who uh like i when i talk about sports gambling i'm talking about five ten dollar bets here and there but for the people who bet like a hundred five hundred a thousand dollars they pay for subscription services just like this one i do for politics uh so uh they lay out so uh, vega Yesley vega won the the gop primary there And Vega is the one, so if you, you may have seen mention of this story because it has broken through because of how bad it was. Uh, Vega has had the hot mic, Todd Akin thing saying that basically that the likelihood of a pregnancy following uh, rape is, it doesn't happen. Like people get pregnant after rape. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Uh, And Spanberger's got $5 million and Vega's got a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, and nobody wants to touch this person because they're they're so toxic. So Spamberger should be able to essentially just like spend so much money that Vega can't even break through other than negative stuff. So so from that standpoint, um, yeah, but yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, what do you think, Don, how much do you follow the Senate stuff? like how much does it pique your interest like especially say, you know, the Pennsylvania race that Sean said, that would be a good one to talk about as far as like if Republicans are having a good night, then it's going to be close in Pennsylvania. Um, is that something that registers, you know, kind of in your your zone, in your world?
1: Uh, so to be completely honest, I've been hyper-focused on what's going on in, in Missouri and, and how it's all going to play out. Um, some of these other races, I've been kind of paying a little attention to. Yeah. But I only get the uh the the headlines where someone does something super ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> on mm-hmm. but I wouldn't I wouldn't want to claim to be an expert on it on what's going on in some of these other races. Like I pay attention to Ohio, uh Pennsylvania because that's where Dr. Oz is, right? Right. Um and, and things like that. But outside of that, most of my most of my focus has been what's on what's going on here in Missouri.
0: Well I think and that, that's why I wanted to frame the question that way because I suspected that was the answer, right? That Uh, While Sean and I are, you know, glued to this stuff, uh, that that's probably not the case for most folks. They're probably worried about their backyard, not necessarily every Senate race and, you know, forecasts and where is it going to go. And, uh, you know, which I think is what a lot of political commentary misses is that, you know, we could do just the, hey, predict Ohio, predict Pennsylvania, predict Wisconsin but like, what are we really like, is that something that, you know, from a takeaway for you, does that even register? Like, does that move the needle for you? Do you care?
1: I, I absolutely care because it, it essentially, um, you know, across the country where everyone's thinking, you know, we got us, everyone wants to flip seats. Right. right. And, comes a number game numbers game where we're keeping score right and so everybody wants to make sure that they can get their points on the board for their specific region so as we look at all of it we're kind of hoping that the people in ohio and pennsylvania do their part and keep at least some of these races close um yeah you know but like i said i, I think i'm naively and i say naively optimistic because there's always hope but you know you kind of question what's actually going to happen here in missouri
0: so, this is Rachel's response to this, and then I want to get Sean's thought on it. So she says, this is a the brilliant response from our absent host Rachel. Uh, she wrote that, but i'll I'll cop to it. i'll i'll t- I'll take those words, Rachel. Uh, and she says, it won't be Missouri or Iowa. So this is for closest race. It won't be Missouri or Iowa. It probably will be Ohio. I hope that fuck Oz gets an umbrella because it's going to rain shit on him in November. Missouri would also like to apologize in advance for sending another smug-faced extremist who somehow managed to fail up from the AG's office to the U.S. Senate. We are sorry. We really are.
1: We really are. We really are.
0: I don't know that there's much more to add to that, but Sean, give us a kind of a, you know, take us home on this Senate stuff.
1: What are
2: you you
0: really expecting?
2: So the Senate race was super interesting this week because there was a little bit of chatter that Oz... Might have been getting traction constantly attacking John Fetterman for having had a stroke.
0: Right. And he won't debate me because he's medically recovering because right. he's too weak to debate me because of his stroke. Which right. is, by the way, the only way you can attack somebody for their medical issues is they won't like fight me, bro. You won't fight me.
2: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, it, it's just so crazy. And he's like, he's making this case that, um, Well, anyway, so like the the context is that Fetterman's ahead of Dr. Oz by like eight and a half points in the polls. The problem with Dr. Oz is that he is actually not from Pennsylvania and the perception among Pennsylvanians is that he does not understand their state (laughs) and like, and they're kind of confused, right? Like when you zoom out, it's like this celebrity doctor who again is not from here, a reality television personality is running for Senate, it it is hard to swallow that he would actually be an effective advocate for your rights. Like if you're a teacher in Pennsylvania who voted for Trump because he tells it like it is and you wanted someone to shake things up, you know, the idea that Oz is going to have more of an impact that way than fetterman is kind of laughable honestly like fetterman has the ability to stand up for his neighbors he's one statewide and he does tell it like it is and you know this so like the republicans think that they have something with inflation and the economy and just tagging democrats for the the reason that things are getting more expensive and oz is off message right right like all the time that he spends constructing this argument. That should like, be his
0: campaign slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bemon Oz. Off message for Pennsylvania. Off message
2: Oz. Yeah. Cause he's <laughs> off like off message he's, Oz. He can't.
0: Uh, and, and I've people, seen this.
2: Please. I've seen this with candidates, like, especially first time, you know, they get this thing in their head where they can't understand how anyone would vote for the other person. And they think that there's this right. one thing that's like completely disqualifying. And they can't. They can't move on mentally. And like 95% and,
0: and of the voters don't know about that
2: thing. Right, right. And for us, it's this idea that like he had a stroke. We're seeing the slow recovery. I'm making this case that he's, you know, not only afraid of me and afraid to debate, and that shows that he's a poor candidate and dishonest, but, you know, he, he won't be an effective senator. Like he's going ahead and making the case that John Fetterman will not be an effective Senator because of the lingering effects of his stroke. And it's like, you're fucking off message, bro. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And especially when it's like, I don't know. Mitch McConnell's 105, and he's the most effective senator right. in the Senate.
2: Yeah. So, and I, 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 love, I love these old uh history books. I read, you know, long, long, long books about the presidents. And um Adley Stevenson um <laughs> learned the hard way. <laughs> um he was trying to make the case that we can't elect Ike Eisenhower, Dwight D. Eisenhower. I think this would have been in like 19 uh 56, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the reelect, because Ike had a heart attack during his first term. And so Adlai Stevenson was making this case like, hey, look, the odds are Eisenhower is going to have another heart attack in the White House and you're going to lef- be left with President Nixon. And that's so horrifying that you should vote for me, Adlai Stevenson, instead of Dwight D. Eisenhower, because I'm making this case that it's so likely he'll have another heart attack. Right. People were like, what are you fucking talking about? Well, and
1: and really, to me, it it just sounds like he's borrowing the message that that Republicans have been trumpeting about Joe Biden since he got elected. Right. Right. He's too old. He can't do it. He can't walk. He's shaking hands with air and all these other things to say that he's not effective. But he's actually gotten a lot of stuff done when you pull back and look at it from a broad view. Right. There are a lot of things that actually happened that were good under this administration. And I think the same can be said for a senator. Right. Because you basically show up. And you vote on policy, right? And right. so, as long as he can keep his head in the game long enough to cast a vote, I don't yeah. know how.
2: Yeah, if of- you're a steel worker, if you're a steel worker in Pittsburgh and you voted for Trump again, it's like, who do you think is going to fight for you mo- more effectively, Dr. Oz or Fetterman, even though Fetterman had a stroke? It's like, it's still Fetterman. Well, they know right. Fetter-
0: Fetterman's got a track record there, Fetterman's been kicking ass there for years. Like these guys trust Fetterman; they know who he is. I I got to imagine, like Don is like is Fetterman like one of the few outside of Missouri like politicians that like if I went to the floor with you for the day and like talked to people there about who they know, yeah, am I gonna like? They know who John Fetterman is.
1: Yeah, Fetterman. and they love him. Yeah, Fetterman and uh, the race in Georgia; those right. are the ones that pique the most interest out here. Yeah.
0: I bought a shirt. I bought a John Fetterman shirt. It's amazing. It's got a cool uh, logo. Yeah. It's got Fetterman on it with a mullet on it. And, uh, it's like, it's an incredible shirt. I, I love it so much. It's an awesome shirt. So yeah, well, uh, well that's gonna, that's gonna wrap us up. Uh, fellas, Don, man, thanks for, thanks for joining us. I hope it lived up. I hope we lived up to your, you know, what man, you thought it was going to be
1: so like i said i i hope i didn't geek out and fanboy too much you know it's an honor to be here with you guys um almost like a dream come true uh you know thanks for oh jeez
0: <laughs> i don't know if you're shining us on or what but i think you are i think you're
1: no no man i'm like the, i'm like all american who finally gets to play d1 basketball right <laughs>
2: Yeah. No, well the honor's ours, you know. Yeah, thanks man. for the time. It's awesome really to cool. have
0: you. Thanks for joining us. We it's a it's a great time and uh, hopefully folks will enjoy it and uh, who knows, maybe maybe people will start harassing you to to do your own show. Maybe maybe that'll happen. Who knows?
1: We'll see. Yeah, it, it, they're rumblings, they're rumblings. <laughs> I like it. Well, thanks guys. Take care. All right.
0: The Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a pod head or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.